Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's November 21st, 164 B.C., and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So on this show, we don't have endless variations on the intro, but actually in the Hebrew calendar, we're talking about the 25th day of the third month of Kislev, 3597, when ancient scripture tells us that the Jewish militia known as the Maccabees celebrated the recapture of Jerusalem from the Macedonian emperor Antiochus IV by lighting a menorah in the city's holy temple, the first Hanukkah today in history in 164 BC. Yeah, so the story of Hanukkah obviously stretches back over 2,000 years in whatever calendar you want to uh, be looking at. But at the time, this is when Jewish people who were living in and around Jerusalem were ruled by Syrian Greeks. And during a war between the two people, the Holy Temple of Jerusalem had been heavily damaged and so had to be repaired and rededicated to God. And the word Hanukkah actually means dedication. And within the Holy Temple in Jerusalem was a menorah, which was a candelabra with seven branches. And it's one and of... And still is. And continues to be so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the thing about Judaism. <laughs> yeah, right. Same shit, different day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of the oldest and most important symbols in Judaism. And the story goes that when looking for oil to light this particular uh, menorah, there wasn't enough to light it for just one day. But then a miracle happened and the candles somehow burned for eight full days. And this is known as the miracle of the oil. And it's commemorated each year during Hanukkah. Yeah, I mean, again, reminder, this is a history show. So, you know, we're going to put the miracle bits in inverted commas. Right. We don't know that the oil lasted eight nights or indeed that there was only enough oil for the lamps to last one night. But isn't it extraordinary that there is this religious event which is documented in enough places that it is unquestionably true that there were Jews that rededicated the temple after the Seleucid king of Syria had demanded that Jews... Well, it wasn't like a pogrom, was it? It wasn't a straightforward expellation. He demanded that Jews worship Greek gods instead of their monotheistic god. And according to some sources, him. Yeah, so it makes sense that the revolt was led by uh, Jewish priests. It was led by Judas Maccabeus, hence the name the Maccabees, and his four brothers. But the interesting thing is that the Book of Maccabees, where the story originally comes from, doesn't make any mentions of the miracle of the oil. So in the Book of Maccabees, all we know is that they held ceremonies, they made sacrifices for eight nights. There was no particular mention of miracles. This element doesn't appear until the Talmud, which is a collection of religious precepts and rabbinical commentaries, which was compiled in the 4th and 5th century AD. So we're talking hundreds and hundreds of years after the events themselves. And unusually, that means that a relatively important Jewish holiday isn't in the Old Testament. doesn't get a reference in the Old Testament because it hadn't happened yet in history. So yeah, you have to look to the Talmud. And actually, weirdly, 
the New Testament and Jesus doing it to see it being documented as a Jewish festival. Yeah, that's right. But the whole business of what this Seleucid king, Antiochus IV, also known as Epiphanes, was trying to do was, you know, he was partially, uh, potentially trying to find a way to unify what was by now a really fractured empire. And he may have had in mind that if he could have this one singular religion that was the Greek religion, then that might help to bring people together. It's just that he had these quite brutal methods to bring about that. Yeah, so the words that you'd use then uh, for this attempted homogenization of the religions was Hellenizing. That's mm. what they're doing, you know, the Hellenic culture, Greek culture, Hellenizing the Jews. And actually, it isn't a straightforward picture, is it, as you're sort of suggesting, because on the one hand, you can see it like Aryanization. I want to eradicate, you know, the Semitic people's religion and make them just like me. But at the same time, there were Hellenizing Jews as well. There were Jewish people who themselves were prepared to Hellenize their culture and thought, you know, this is where I live and I'm I'm happy to adapt my religion. So there's a way of seeing the Maccabees as sort of religious zealots themselves, fundamentalists who were like, no, we're not going to modernize the Jewish tradition. Any attempt to do that is the enemy. Yeah, and one of the other hypotheses about why Maccabees sort of came to slip down the agenda and also, you know, Hanukkah with it, is the whole business of when the Hebrew Bible was being assembled, which was in the sort of early days of uh, the Jews having at first uh, kind of come to an agreement with the Romans and then uh, obviously been entirely subjugated by them and having been expelled from uh, what was Judea to them that came to be Palestine under the Romans. But this is kind of why the whole business of Hanukkah slightly slipping down the agenda, at least in some of the early uh, Jewish uh, texts and practices, is fascinating because within Maccabees itself, the Romans got this quite favorable starring role. And one of the substantial reasons that the book of Maccabees was excluded from the final compilation of the Hebrew Bible is that for many Jews, the issues raised by the Maccabees story sort of were still completely relevant. You know, strife between civil rulers of a Jewish state and religious factions that want the Jewish state to enforce their version of the Jewish religion and the rewards and dangers of a security relationship with a remote superpower, in this case, you know, Rome, that the Jews kind of invited Rome in to save them from the Seleucids. That's a story that continues to to feel fresh. I also think in terms of persecution of religious freedoms, it's a really quite simple black and white good guy bad guy telling of the story isn't it to say regardless of the context that we've just gone into which is more complicated this this guy put a statue of Zeus at our altar and asked us to pray to it it's so obviously fundamentally against that there's only 10 commandments do you know what I mean so it's kind (laughs) of like you know a president has come along and asked every Muslim in the town to draw a Muhammad cartoon do you know Mm. what I mean it's so clearly against the principles of the religion Well, and the irony is that Hanukkah is a festival which at its core represents the idea that Judaism is something that has to be defended and kept separate from the mainstream society around it. But at the same time, the reason that it eventually did rise to prominence was precisely because more and more Jews were becoming more secular and were becoming more assimilated in the Western world, at least, because it wasn't until the end of the 19th century that Hanukkah started to gain prominence among the diaspora. And the reason for that was that it falls between late November and late December. And so if you're living in a society where you are 
are mixing with the Christian majority, your children are going to be coming home from school and saying, how come we don't have Christmas presents? How come we don't have Christmas parties? But even so, up until 1994, you still had... Um, the opportunity for this moment where Adam Sandler <laughs> went on Saturday Night Live and sung his Hanukkah song because he was trying, in his own words, to kind of redress the balance of the fact that there was all of this emphasis on the Christian p- parts of the festive season. It starts out, put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah, it's so much funica to celebrate Hanukkah. Uh, <laughs> but it, well, the yeah, bit that so I... so much you can do with Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> the bit that I would like is where he's listing off which famous people are Jewish uh, and so will be celebrating Hanukkah this year. And he says, some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. So many Jews are in showbiz. Tom Cruise isn't, but I heard his agent is. <laughs> you know, there's some good stuff in there. <laughs> I like that we've spent as long quoting Adam Sandler as Maccabees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose that is the modern moniker, isn't it? And it's grown to an extent in America, particularly, where non-Jewish Americans, I presume, assume that it's the most important Jewish festival because it's the one where now there's a menorah in Washington and the president hosts an annual Hanukkah party. And there are all these references in popular culture and and, and, and Gentiles in America know what a dreidel is and all this mm. stuff. Mm. But actually, it isn't an important holiday in Judaism. It's not like Christmas. It just happens to be at that time of year. You've got Rosh Hashanah, you've got Passover, you've got Yom Kippur. They're all more important. Even Sukkot and Purim, which are festivals that most Gentiles have never heard of, are more important than Hanukkah. I saw another interpretation for its ongoing popularity and sort of increasing popularity, which was laziness. There was this particular uh, <laughs> scholar, uh, Jenna weissman Joselit, who's the professor of Judaic studies and history at George Washington University, uh, says it's a domestic familial occasion, not a synagogue going one. The holiday requires little cultural or liturgical proficiency on the part of its celebrants. A doesn't take much to observe the holiday and it's just fun and I think that there is something to that you know you can do it in your own home you can light the candles each night you don't have to go anywhere to get into it you can play with your dreidel and eat your oily snacks and you know have a good time and I think good time does make for good festival which is why kind of you know Christmas has sort of lent into the overeating and uh, uh, you know present unwrapping rather than why Yom Kippur isn't the Jewish Christmas right exactly (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) and let's be honest oily snacks does play into the North American palate as well doesn't it yeah the fact that there's a festival you can legitimately eat a donut at is going to appeal I think to a lot of of Americans donut miss (laughs) yes please (laughs) tomorrow They're a death cult. They're into weird, kinky sex stuff. (laughs) Kill them. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.